0: Welcome to Growth Mindset University. My name is Jordan Paris, 21 year old author and host of this show. And with this show, you and I will embark on a journey to learn the things that we should have learned in school but did not, so that we may take control of our lives while fulfilling our vision of success. Each episode will feature a brand new lesson and now it's time for today's lesson. So put your thinking cap on because school is now in session. All right. My guest today is J.T. McCormick. He is the president and CEO of Scribe Media, formerly Book in a Box. It's a publishing company that helps you write, publish, and market your book. The company has worked with more than 1,000 authors in Entrepreneur Magazine, recently ranked Scribes as having the top company culture in America. Previously, JT was the president of HeadSpring Software, which he helped grow to a multi-million-dollar, 100 100-plus-person company that was repeatedly ranked as one of the best places to work in all of Texas. JT is also the author of I Got There, How I Overcame Racism, Poverty, and Abuse to Achieve the American Dream. His book tells the story of how he worked his way out of poverty starting with his career cleaning toilets, of all things, and eventually becoming the president of multiple companies. In addition to his role at Scribe Media, JT has mentored at-risk youth in the juvenile justice system, as well as youth in low economic communities. JT's work has been featured on CNBC, Entrepreneur Magazine, Forbes, Inc., and many others. And Most interestingly, he has done all of this without a college degree, which we're totally going to talk about today, my man.
1: (laughs) Welcome to Growth Mindset University, though. My man, Jordan, what's going on, sir?
0: Man, I'm so pumped to have you here because you've got such an interesting story. Is it true that word on the street is that you were homeless. Is that true?
1: Ooh, yeah, man. That's that's a big, big truth. Uh, at age 13, I was homeless. My aunt had picked me up from juvenile. And the night I was at her house, the first night I was there, I heard her and my uncle quietly talking about how they couldn't afford to to keep me or feed me. And so in the middle of the night, I remember it was like between two and three in the morning. Man, I remember this so clear. I packed up my little suitcase and I left the house and I wouldn't slept on the bus stop. And so for about a week, I was homeless. I had my my little suitcase with me. And every day I would go to school because I knew I could get a free meal there. But at night, you know, I just kind of hung out until it got dark and I would sleep back on the, the bus stop again. And the only thing what what Why I stopped being homeless is because one little kid kept, this was in middle school, I was 13. One little kid was just relentless. He would always make fun of me because I always had on the same clothes. I had my little suitcase with me. And so I just lost my temper. I beat this kid up. Uh, the kid went into the hospital and I went back to, to juvenile. But that was the only reason I wasn't homeless anymore is because I got sent back to juvenile. But yes, I, at 13, I, I was homeless.
0: So clearly, uh it sounds like, uh, and of course, I know this already about your story, you had a little bit of a rocky upbringing, correct? What was that all about what was it like and how has it shaped you into who you become today and everything that you've done today
1: man that's an open-ended question jordan so be be a little more specific yeah because rock rocky upbringing is a it's a bit of an understatement (laughs) so yeah man it's you know my father was a pimp and drug dealer And he fathered 23 children. My mother was an orphan. She grew up in in an institutional children's home, an orphanage. When she turned 17 years old, they gave her $20 in a suitcase. And they said, good luck to you. There's a world. And so that's that's how I came into the world. Son of a a pimp and drug dealer, son of of an orphan. To this day, I don't know where my last name comes from. My mother was given that last name in the orphanage. And she has no clue where or why. So I, I walk around to this day with a, a last name that I can't tell you where it comes from. Mm-hmm. What do you, do you mean by pimp? So it's interesting. You know, we live in a society now where our society has turned that word into a positive. You know, pimp my ride, pimp my apartment. I've even yeah, heard yeah. people referred to as, oh, man, he's he's a pimp. And I find it interesting that in our society, we pick and choose what words we want to deem as positive or negative. So my father was a real pimp. He put women on a street corner, they sold their bodies, and he took every dollar from them. And that is the definition uh, of a pimp. And that's what, what my father was. But like I said, somewhere along the line, along the way we turned the word pimp into a positive. I mean, there was a show on MTV that was popular. Yeah. It was called Pimp My Ride. And like we celebrated this show and I, I used to laugh and I thought to myself, wait a minute, there is zero positive about a pimp. So uh, it, it's it's amazing what we choose to uh, be politically correct about in our country and then things that we choose to overlook.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting. Somewhere along the way, pimp i wonder where and when it became it c- came to mean cool yeah that's interesting yeah uh jt you don't have a college degree no nope. um so I, I assume college wasn't even really an option
1: for you <laughs> you know when I, I barely graduated at high school when i was reunited with my mother in Texas at the age of 15. She took me to enroll in in high school. I was a sophomore. I was 15. And I remember the counselor was going over my class schedule. And the counselor said, okay, you're going to be in geometry. Jordan, that was the first time I had ever heard the word geometry. Didn't know what geometry even was, but I didn't say anything. So here I was, I got put in these classes. Six weeks later, you know, grades come out and everyone realizes, okay, this kid's not too bright. Uh, Fast forward, graduation rolls around. I don't have enough credits to graduate. I didn't graduate high school. I had to go to summer school and take remedial courses to get my high school diploma. Now, some people would call that a GED. Damn it, it says high school diploma. So damn it, I got a high school diploma. But no, I never, I, I tried my hand at junior college. That did not work out for me. And so I, I never graduated uh, college. Like I said barely have a high school diploma. So that's that's the extent of my academic credentials.
0: Right. So we're going along this timeline here, and you know you barely got barely got that high school diploma, and you don't have a college degree. But somewhere along the line, there is a turning point, and or I mean, there has to be some sort of momentum building for you to become the CEO of such an awesome company, Scribe. Where does that momentum happen? And how do you become a CEO without the college degree? Because it's not necessarily the traditional path to uh, becoming that. It's very rare.
1: So the the turning point for me was I realized early on, Jordan, that the one thing I could control was my work ethic. I could control my effort into what I was going to do. So although my first job was cleaning toilets, I realized, okay, I could have toilets that are just sparkling and immaculate, or I could do a half-assed job. And I've always chosen to do a great job at whatever it is I'm going to do. I'm gonna try to be the best at whatever it is I'm doing at that moment. So I learned little lessons, many self-taught, attention to detail. Well, you know, if there's a piece of trash on the floor, pick it up. Even to this day, Jordan, here's my mindset. If I go into a restroom and I'm walking out and there's a paper towel on the floor, I'll pick the paper towel up. What, am I too good that I can't bend over and pick up the paper towel that, you know, oh no, that's not my job, that's somebody else's. So my mindset is just different on, can I be the best human and be the best person I can be? How that translated into business, I just continue to ask questions. I wanted to learn, I observed, I paid attention. I've never been afraid to ask for anything. The worst you can tell me is no, maybe you say f no but it's still no but it it so i've never been afraid to ask for any opportunity a learning opportunity uh, an employment opportunity because my mind is the worst thing you can say is no and i've been asked this question jordan why does no not bother me why does rejection not bother me and here's what i've traced it back to when I was a kid and I would come home at night and I would ask my mother, are we going to eat dinner? And she would say no. That hurt because I couldn't do anything about it. There you know, I was a child, I wasn't going to eat. That no hurt. Someone saying no you won't do business with me. Okay, fine. There's a, a a million other people I can call or cold call, talk to. I'll find someone who will say yes. If it was wanting to learn something from a mentor from a a sales call, whatever the case may be, I've just never been afraid of no, because the worst thing you can tell me is no. Okay, fine. I'll find someone else who will say yes.
0: Totally. Man, that work ethic really resonates with me. I remember when I was between 16 and 18 years old, I worked at this restaurant called Firebirds. And I so desperately wanted to work my way up and become a server, become a bartender. And, you know, and from there, you know, I, I didn't really, I didn't really have uh, the the higher aspirations that I have today at that age. But I remember, man, for for two and a half years, like cleaning the drains when no, you know, getting the brush and cleaning the drains, doing the dirty work when nobody asked me to do it, I would do it like every shift. I remember cleaning the drains. I have a a picture in my head like lifting up the freaking grate and just cleaning the drains, yeah. man. So it's and it sounds like you worked. You worked your way up doing similar things. Now I've you know, heard you.
1: Go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. So so, oh, sorry. so what I was gonna say to Jordan real fast is here here's what's interesting. Why I appreciate you sharing that. We live in a social media society where everyone's quick to want to show you what they're doing. Maybe they're at the beach, they just when I'm I'm old, you know, people what check in and tell you they're at Whole Foods who the hell cares? Um, you know, it, they take pictures of their food. Everyone's quick to want to show you what they're doing. And what's interesting is I've seen that translate over to work ethic as well. Your work ethic is who you are when no one is looking. You mm-hmm. heard me say, I'd pick Not up the paper it on your story. Right. You know, and so many people want you to see what they're doing. Much the of, humble brag. Look, I yes, just
0: donated X amount of exactly. dollars. Exactly.
1: Oh man, you just nailed it. The worst for me, Jordan said. that no, you got me started, man. The worst for me is those people who want to give show pictures of themselves at Thanksgiving down feeding the homeless. And my attitude's always been, whoop damn do send me a picture on March 7th that you're down there feeding the homeless. Don't tell me because you have a day off and you have a great career or a job or whatever, oh, you took the time to go feed the homeless. No, tell me on August 3rd. Tell me on March 7th. Don't don't give me a, a status signaling of, oh, look, we went and fed the homeless. You're just trying to show me what you did. Who are you when no one is looking? That's how I've always measured my work ethic. I'm willing to pick up that paper towel when no one's paying attention. That's the measurement. Much of my success has come when people didn't see what I was doing. When I was in the the payday loan business and I was in one of those offices at 11 o'clock at night, no one knew I was there. The owner of the company didn't know I was there. No one knew I was there. But that was the work ethic that I had developed. It's all about what are you doing when no one's watching? That's the measurement of your character. That's so
0: important, man. I'm so glad you just went off on that because, but now I will I will plead guilty to post. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm pleading guilty to posting uh my picture of my meal on Instagram story. I got I, I gotta plead guilty to that every yeah, now and then. Here's now. the and, thing. And I'm, I'm the kid i checking it. It at Whole Foods too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Jordan, I'm not even knocking it. I just don't understand it. I'm like, who cares where I am right now? If I just checked into the gym, who cares? Am I I sharing this because I want people to know, oh, look at me. I'm at the gym. I'm working out. Why am I sharing that? And for me, I have also found that it takes more time to take the picture, to post it, to let you know. That's time that I can do something else with.
0: Totally. Yeah. I you know, I think about it all the time. I literally laugh at myself when I'm posting a picture on my meal, which I gotta freaking stop. I only do it when I, I I only do it when I eat out and I really don't eat out that much because I'm a healthy guy. So so I'll say that. But I think about it, I laugh at myself. I'm like taking the picture, I'm like, and my friend starts eating and I'm like, I could be eating and yes. I wait a whole I literally wait a whole another minute and a half and I gotta make sure it's right. Sometimes I gotta retake it. Yep and and I gotta make sure it
1: uploads right, and I gotta wait for it. It just, oh, <laughs> yeah, I, man, yeah, I'm, I'm blown away by that that piece of our culture now, where people find it necessary to do that. And you see this in the gym as well. You see people taking selfies of the in, in the mirror, and okay, that one didn't quite come out right, so then they've got to take three more, and, or or they're videoing themselves in, in the gym. And I'm like, okay, oh, yeah. I am shocked that that people. Do this. I I do not get it. But hey, to each his own.
0: Totally. Yeah. I don't do the gym thing. I'm not. I'm. I'm not doing that. But I, I t- I'm with you there. So now you're on record saying, and you know it may have been a while ago, but if you lost everything today, yep, you could. You are 100 percent confident. You could. Could and would work your way back up and make all that money back
1: with because of that work ethic, right? Yep. Yeah. You, you know that I, I said it a while back, I'll say it again, say it 10 years from now. And and someone even challenged me a step further. They said, well, what if you could only go to McDonald's and, and start over? It's interesting. Sometimes people don't want to see opportunities for what they are, but fast food actually is one of the greatest opportunities that someone just starting out or needs a career it, it's all kind of opportunity there here's why turnover is so high in the fast food industry if you last there 3 months all of a sudden si- sudden you're a tenured person you you you're seasoned you you have experience you let me be there 6 months now i know even more Now, I've and and if I'm there every day on time, I'm cleaning up, I'm doing extra, I'm asking for more, I can continue to grow. You'll find yourself nine, 12 months into this, hey, I want to be the assistant manager. I want to be the manager. Give me 24 months at any fast food place. I give you my word. I will be some type of district manager, GM, something along those lines, because I'm going to be there on time every day. I'm always going to do extra. I'm going to ask for things that I can do more. Can I learn more? And you will wake up one day and find yourself in a hell of an opportunity. And here's what a lot of people don't know. Have you ever heard of In-N-Out Burger? Oh, yeah. Of okay. Course. So this, this is documented. I'm, I'm not just spewing out you know BS here. In-N-Out Burger has managers of their restaurants who make upwards towards $160,000 a year. And they started either drive through cleaning the restrooms, but they work their way up. And most people won't see that, that there are opportunities truly in fast food. Somewhere along the line, just like the word pimp, our society became too good for flipping burgers. That's no longer a a viable opportunity that someone wants to make for themselves. And so to your point, yes, if I lost everything right now, I Give give me 24 months, and I promise you I'd be a GM or, or some type of district manager uh, of a fast food chain.
0: Mm-hmm. And something I want to highlight here, you said a very, very key word, uh, work every day. Every day being the key word. And it really aligns with my message as of late. It's about showing up every single day for years on end. And literally, just watch what happens. Like yep. your life will explode, man. I just, I just scored. I booked Robert Kiyosaki on the podcast. Nice. In the congrats. past week, I thank you. I, I booked Robert. I booked Jordan Harbinger. Uh, I booked Evan Carmichael. Like with very, very recently, I just my interview with Rachel Starr just came out. The biggest adult actress in the entire world. Valentine's Day interview with her. If you haven't, if if you live under a rock, by the way, and you and and people who are listening that haven't heard that yet. Make sure you go listen to that, (laughs) Valentine's Day with Rachel Starr. (laughs) Um, But I didn't, dude, I didn't see momentum for the longest time. Like I've been hard at this for over two years. I mean, it's only been to, you know, to you that might sound like a short amount of time, but you know, I'm only 21 years old and I didn't see anything for the longest time. And then once I got that first crack, that those first two cracks The whole dam just broke open and things like started flowing fast and furious because I showed up every single day, because I stayed in during my college years, nine out of 10 Friday and Saturday nights. And it's not an easy thing to do at all. You do what's hard today, your life will be a little bit easier tomorrow and vice versa. You do what's easy today, your life will be a little bit harder tomorrow. And would you say that this message aligns? With yours, hard work. I mean, it's so. This is the importance of hard work, man. Showing up every single day. I love it, JT.
1: Every day, and and you, you nailed it. It's consistency. You, you you can't. Unfortunately, again, we'll go back to our society. We live in an Instagram world where people see the picture of the money, the houses, the cars. No one. I don't want to say no People don't want to sacrifice, and and the fact of the matter is there is no success without sacrifice and in many ways that sacrifice is the consistency and, and I've said this and, and so I'll share this with you Jordan even if you look at the highest levels people will celebrate LeBron James you know they see the hundred million dollars a year they see the he's got his own shoe the championships the commercials everyone sees that but what they don't see is the sacrifice. See, when LeBron James has to go on an 11 game road trip, he's not at home to go to his own kids' basketball games or go to his kids' events, recitals, plays, whatever the case may be. He's not there to read to them at night, do bath time, because he's sacrificing because he's out on the road making a living for his family. When he had to play basketball on Christmas day, that's a sacrifice because I don't care how much money you have, you can't move Christmas. So if people say, you know, Oh, well, yeah, but he makes a hundred million dollars. I don't care how much money you ever make. You can't produce more time. So when he's gone for 11 days, that's time away from his family. And if you look even higher than LeBron James, take the last three presidents of the United States. Look at Obama, look at George Bush, look at Bill Clinton. All three of those gentlemen went into the presidency with young daughters. Don't think for a Mm. second they didn't sacrifice immense amount of time with their daughters for the success that they had as a president. So whatever it is you do in life, there is zero success without sacrifice.
0: Yeah, and you know, to they sacrificed an immense amount of time with their with their daughters, and I think I heard a number like by the time you're eighteen or the age might be twenty or whatever, you spent ninety uh, percent of the time you'll ever spend with your parents. And I don't I I don't know where I got it from. I don't know the credibility of it, but it seems relatively accurate. So to your point, huge huge sacrifice, J.T. That that you just don't see. Yep. Yeah. So now the American dream, you talk about achieving the American dream in even this just the subtitle of your book, it's in the subtitle, the American dream. Um, wh- I want to know what you mean by the American dream, because I think a lot of people think the American dream, or it might've it used to be, it used to be, go to school, get good grades, so you can get the the piece of paper so that you can get a good job, work there behind a desk for 40 years, and then retire and then die three years later. That was the American dream. I
1: don't know if that's what you mean by that. So the American dream, in my opinion, is much like success. It's defined by the individual. So there's some people that $50,000 a year is success to them, great. There's some people that live in a tiny house out on acreage and, and that's their definition of, of success. So success in the American dream for me, are they have to be defined by the individual. You cannot let someone else define what success is for you. For me, it was a combination of financial. It was a combination of stability because I grew up in such chaos it was having a phenomenal wife as someone that I knew I could come home to every night and it'd be the same person there loving me, supporting me every night. It's my four children. It's my my house, the financial piece that, that I have as far as success. So the American dream has to be defined by the individual. It cannot be defined by someone else.
0: Subjective. Yeah. Okay so i I've heard you talk about how how much you enjoy and love what you do and you do have a great job with a great company and you have a knack for as I alluded to in the intro creating and developing a great culture which you know plays a huge role in why you and you can enjoy what you do now would you call it work in quotation marks, like, because it, I I often feel that way. Like I always say I work in quotation points, Yeah, like I'm working, but it's really just a lot of fun because I enjoy what I do. Uh, do you have, uh, are, are you, do you plan on working for the entirety of your life?
1: So me, let me ask you this, Jordan, do you know who Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett are? Of course. Yes. Okay. Yes, perfect. Of All right. So, you know, War- Charlie Munger is like 95 years old. He's got on glasses. They're so thick. I swear he can see the future. Uh, I, 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 I personally want to go out like Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger. I want to be 95 years old, still out there making it happen, working enjoying what I'm doing. And I don't steer away from saying work, because it's a part of life. I, I enjoy, yes, very much what I do, but work is a part of life. You know, one of the most underappreciated uh careers in, in our country, in my opinion, is the American farmer. That's you want to talk about some hard work? My God. You know, you you know, I mean, I'm gonna go off on a tangent here, Jordan. It's funny, you will see people complain on Facebook, my wife will show me stuff like this during the holiday season where uh, people want to get on there and show a protest on Walmart because they're opening up at six o'clock on uh, uh, Thanksgiving or, you know, the mall's opening up early and and people want to protest and say, don't go to these places. You know, people should be at home with their families, so on and so forth. It's funny. I've never seen anyone throw a protest for the American farmer. They, they were 365 <laughs> every day of the year. No one's thrown a protest for the individual who's cleaning the hospitals, the janitors. I'm not talking about the doctors and nurses. I'm talking about the custodians that have to clean up the hospitals. No one's ever thrown a protest for them. Going back to my rant on social media, it's amazing the things that we'll complain about or throw a protest about. So, yes, I don't see work as a negative we all need to work to survive pay our bills, have the things we want. it is great to enjoy what you're doing, but I will push it this Jordan if you are an individual that has to say thank God it's Friday, you should leave wherever you're working because if you're trading two for five that's that's just a bad that's a bad formula. so if you ever have to say thank God it's Friday, Get the hell out of there as fast as possible. Because for me, thank God it's Tuesday. Thank God it's Monday. Thank God I have a place to go to that I can do work. So if you have that mentality of thank God it's Friday, you got to go. Dude, I
0: totally agree. The amount of people that say that is just mind-blowing. I even It's so funny you say it because I posted it on LinkedIn probably less than a week ago at this current moment. Uh, people that say, thank God it's Friday are the same people that are going to get to the end of life and say, thank God it's over. <laughs> now, that might <laughs> might be a little bit of, uh, of an exaggeration, but I don't really think so. Um, but I, you know, I, I totally agree with you there. Now, I have a big question for you, JT, <laughs> along these same lines of en- en- enjoying the work. Should people love what they do or should people do what they love? You understand the, the difference there? I started thinking about this, man. I'm like, I got, I, I'm going to just ask JT. <laughs> so, you know, so, it could, like finding finding love in the work that you do or finding s- some, doing something that you love.
1: I believe I, I, I would say the ultimate would be both. That's an easy, easy out, I, I would see it. You know, I never in a million years, when when I was a, a, a kid, could someone have told me, "Hey, you're going to be the CEO of a publishing company one day?" Really? I can't tell you an advert from a pronoun, and God knows I can't spell. And so, it, it's I would have never thought that. But I truly love what I do. We help people achieve their dream and goal of becoming a published author. That's a pretty cool measurement for for the world. We help people put their book out into the world. So I, I love what I do, and and you know it's it's turned into I do what I love. So it's a combination of, of both. You know, even when I was at the the software company, I don't write code, but I loved what we did a, as a company. I, I truly loved what we did. And I loved what I did. And I was fortunate that I was surrounded by a group of phenomenal people uh, the, that we scaled the company. So, you know, it's, it's a combination of both to me. I don't, I don't believe it's, it's a one or the other.
0: Mm-hmm. Good answer.
1: So extending
0: now, making this more practical, what advice would you give to a smart and driven college student about to enter the real world?
1: What advice would I give? Don't buy one. You heard me say it earlier. There is no success without sacrifice. So that's number one. Don't buy into the work-life balance bullshit. I'm sorry if you had a, yeah, you had a porn star on. So my, my little language. in No, we're, we're good. Uh, so, so don't buy into the work-life balance bullshit. And, and what I mean by that is there's life. It's, I find it amazing that. Jordan when you hear people say work life balance the first thing they go to or attack is work oh the 4 hour work the 4 day work week the don't work 50 60 hours don't pick do emails first thing in the morning they attack work 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 No one's focusing on the life balance. No one's focusing on the fact that binge watching is some of the dumbest shit we've ever created in in our society. People will sit there and tell you, oh, I binge watched Game of Thrones Friday from 6 o'clock p.m. to Sunday at 6 o'clock p.m. (laughs) When's the last time anybody's ever said, hey, man, I binge studied my financial future, my retirement plan. When's the last time someone's binge did that? And so I, I find it, you, you ask, what advice would I give is don't buy into the work-life balance bullshit. We live in a society where somebody can stand in line 24 hours overnight for the new iPhone that does two new things than the shit that you already have does. And, and we will put you on camera as the first person who runs out of the Apple store with the new iPhone. You stood in line 24 hours. You spend a thousand dollars. And we're celebrating that? I'm looking at this individual like you damn fool. When is the last time someone spent 24 hours straight studying scale, leadership, growth, career growth, financial future? I don't hear those stories. So my my feedback or my advice to those individuals would be one, there is zero success without sacrifice. And two, do not buy into the work-life balance bullshit. It's life balance period.
0: Man, I I love what you say about the learning. Like This is what Growth Minds at University is all about. It's about learning. It's about becoming a serious student of life, as you alluded to. But I I love everything you said there, JT. Now, you've published thousands of books, and I'm sure you are a big reader. If you're not, don't hesitate to correct me. Okay, I I, I got to be fair. I'm a (laughs) big
1: audible guy. Uh, I okay. read, I read excruciate. I read very slow. I can't even say the word. I read very slow. So I love to to listen to Audible at 1.5 speed.
0: Okay. Yeah. That, no, that totally, that totally counts. Uh, I, I occasionally, occasionally do audio, Audible as well. Um, I'll actually be starting uh, the third door by Alex Benayan on audible uh, next week. I plan to start that. Uh, I do like a couple per year. Like last year I did crushing it by Gary V on, on audible. And that was a, that was a, that was a very good one. You know, I remember yeah. hearing about like John Lee Dumas on, on there and then, he, it, you know, and that was like the first time I heard him and he's like this amazing, you know, legendary podcaster and fast forward like, you know, nine months. And I just interviewed him a couple of days ago. Um, so anyway, You've published th- over a 1000 books. You you listen to a lot of books. What is one of your favorites? Is it something by your buddy Tucker Max? Is it <laughs>
1: <laughs> My favorite book of all time is Think and Grow Rich. That mm. that is a book that I read early in my Jordan I may have been your age and really what jumped out to me in that book was when I would read things about Thomas Edison and how many times it took him to invent the light bulb. And it really put a perspective in my mind of, okay, did he fail 10,000 times or did he find 10,000 ways that didn't work? And it was that moment that I took the word fail out of my vocabulary. See, for me, I believe we all make, make mistakes in life. Good God, I made mistakes as a first-time president of a software company. I've made mistakes as the CEO of a publishing company. But we only fail if we stop trying. So I've got a lot of failed relationships because, well, we broke up. But I believe you just don't fail unless you stop trying. And so that book, Thinking Grow Rich, was really where that perspective came from. And then one of my favorite, and I'm paraphrasing here, is when they had Henry Ford on trial because they said he wasn't fit to run a company. And when he gave his response that, well, I assure you that anything that I need to know or that I don't know, I have a group of people around me that know the answers. That actually impacted my my leadership thoughts because I, I then developed the thought process of, okay, I don't have to know all the answers. I just need to go find them. So for me in leadership, one of my first rules is surround the company with people far smarter than myself, rule number one. Rule number two, Surround myself with people far smarter than myself. And rule number three, repeat rules number one and
0: two. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, man. I got to tell you then, because ironically, and we've got conversational threads all over now, like this is a, just a riveting conversation. On, uh, I have two physical copies of Think and Grow Rich somewhere to my left. One is up on this shelf that you sort of see the corner of here, and then one's on another shelf below here. But I just found last week on Audible, a there's like two Think and Grow Rich um, audio, audio books on Audible, and one of them, kid you not, is like read by Napoleon Hill himself. Oh, I, wow! I I downloaded it, and it's actually so it is something that another one of those uh, another one of the few Audible uh, books that I that I listened to that I'm going to be diving into in the next month or two. Um, and you know, like I listened to the sample and it was it was legit. So I'm excited uh, for that. I think people should definitely check that out because yeah, it's uh,
1: definitely one of my favorite books. And, and it actually had a big influence on me as well. Uh the power of positivity. You know, it, it's when when you look, negativity has never done anything for anyone. So I'm constantly positive. At any given day, if someone says, "Hey, JT, how are you doing?" I'm excellent. I'm always excellent. And they say, "Well, well how are you always excellent?" And I say, "Hey, if your feet hit the morning, hit the ground in the morning when you wake up. Damn it, you better be excellent. Because even if something's not the way you want it to be, it's up to you to go change it."
0: Hmm. Hmm. Totally, man. So, JT, people can find your book. I got there. Overcoming how I overcame racism, poverty, and abuse to achieve the American dream on Amazon. They can visit scribemedia.com. Are you accepting new clients at the moment?
1: We are. We we are we I'll be very transparent. We actually turn away about 30 to 35% of the people who want to work with us. The number one reason we turn people away is they just don't have enough content for a book. And number two, they lead with, oh, I want to be a New York Times bestselling writer and sell a million copies. That individual is looking for fame. They're not looking for what the book could actually do for them in their career. So that, that's not our business model. Uh, but those are the top two reasons. But yes, we're, we're always t- uh, taking on new authors.
0: Mm-hmm. So JT, I have to acknowledge you before I ask my final question for, you know, the the love for your work and for showing up every single day. I said it earlier, our messages in the name of hard work really align and I absolutely love that about you. And the fact that you share this message is such a fantastic service to the world. And then you are you're with your publishing company, you're allowing people to share their messages, which is, of course, another fantastic. Service. It's like a two-lane, uh, two-lane road, uh, two-lane highway. You know, you you sharing the message and allowing other people to share their message and be heard. So, absolutely love it, and I commend what you are doing, my friend. And this has been uh, one of the most enjoyable podcasts I've I've done ever. Like this is uh, this is, and like one of my
1: all-time favorites. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. Thank thank you, Jordan. Very very much. I appreciate it.
0: Totally, man. So. My final question, JT, is um, since this podcast is about learning the lessons that we should have learned in school but didn't, if you could teach a course at a university, a course of your creation or otherwise, what would it be? We've talked about a lot of
1: topics today. Oh, man, you you just opened up. Jordan, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to unleash a rant on you here. So I, if, sure. if I had the opportunity, I would not want it to be a college course. I would actually want to take my course back to high school, and I would want it to start your freshman year and extend all the way through your senior year of high school. And my course would be called um, show and tell. And I know that sounds odd, but I don't mean it like my five-year-old daughter where she takes her toy into school and she she shows it and tells it. What I mean by show and tell is I want to be able to show youth how to shake a hand and tell them why it's important. I want to be able to show them attention to detail and tell them why it's important. I want to be able to show them a wealth advisor and tell them how they can become one. I, I find it very offensive in our country that we know 40% 40% of all graduating students, regardless of your your economic status in life, 40% of all graduating high school students will never go to college. But we send you into the world with, we don't even teach you a handshake. We don't even teach you how to tie a tie, how to fill out an application. God God forbid, we don't even teach you what a high interest credit card means, what debt looks like, but we send you into the world and we say, good luck to you. So my class would be show and tell from your freshman year through your senior year, and we're going to talk, I'm going to show you what high interest debt looks like, and I'm going to tell you why you need to avoid it. I'm going to show you how you can go to college and and tell you why that could be important, but I'm also gonna show you entrepreneurship and tell you why that's important. So I'm blown away that we live in a society where we're still teaching Columbus Day when we know damn well he didn't discover America, but we won't even teach kids a handshake in in school. And what's mind blowing to me and why I said I would take mine back to to high school is then you look at the student debt uh, from college debt in our country, and some people are paying hundreds of thousands of dollars to go to college, and we still don't teach you how to shake a hand there. So it's it's mind-blowing to me the things that we do as a society that are just basic life essentials. So I would call my class show and tell basic life essentials.
0: I love it, man. And you know what? You actually opened up another loop for me. I have to ask, <clears throat> I have to ask another question. Yeah. Uh, you know, because we are, you know, in college, I'm a marketing student and we're learning things that in marketing that maybe worked in the nineties and there are all these cookie cutter courses. What are some things you're doing at scribe media to, to, and I might even be using the wrong choice of words, but sort of spread the word and bring in new business. Um, what is your... Do you have a marketing strategy? What are the sort of the founding principles of your business that you operate uh, on in a daily on from a, in a daily basis?
1: so what what we've done is nice and smooth, nice and steady. Everyone's out there searching for the the lottery ticket scratch off where they found this marketing uh, you know, piece that, oh, shit sh- we're we're swamped with with leads. We will put out free content, you know, how to how to write a title for your book. What should your subtitle be? Who should write a book? So we put out content, free content, to people to be able to read. And that's a bit of our marketing strategy is when you see these things, then you start realizing, oh, wow, this company helped you write the book. Then you come to our website. So it's a slow long marketing process. We're not looking to flip a switch and, oh my God, we're flooded with with leads. That's just not our business model. And the way I've always looked at this is, and I've struggled with this. So let, let me be transparent here, Jordan. I've struggled with this because you can't always measure the marketing, meaning, okay, we ran two ads and we got 50 leads. It doesn't always work like that. You know, when you see a Coke commercial on TV, they can't always tell you, oh, well, we made this back from that one commercial. Here's how much Coke we sold. A lot of it is just the branding of keeping your name top of mind, people aware. And again, us sharing free content to others who maybe you can't pay $36,000 for a book, but we're going to share content with you to tell you how you can write your book.
0: Let me sum that up in a sentence. You're playing the long game.
1: Long game, man. Playing the very very much playing the the long game how we do this. There's no uh, again, there's no success without sacrifice and you're not going to just instantly, you know, li- again, life is not Instagram, man. There, there's no, <laughs> you can see the picture, but it doesn't just happen. You don't just one day wake up and magically have the car, the house, the the money. It, it That's just not the way wo- life works.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. JT, let's wrap this up. Everyone connect with this man on LinkedIn. JT McCormick, you are the man. Thank you so much.
1: Jordan, I appreciate it, man. Humbled and flattered. Thank you for having me on, sir.
0: There you have it, my friends. This has been another episode of the Growth Mindset University podcast. Now, if you enjoyed this one today, I would really appreciate it if you could leave us a quick five-star rating in iTunes. All you have to do is grab your iPhone or iPad, open up the Apple Podcast app, hit the search tab, search the show, Growth Mindset University, or just search my name, Jordan Paris, tap the show scroll all the way to the bottom and then just hit that fifth star and that helps us tremendously in ways that you could never even imagine it means the absolute world to me when people do this i would be eternally grateful if you do that we're pushing 100 ratings right now and it's really making a difference for this show and of course If you've not already subscribed to the show, just make sure you do that wherever you're listening to so that you don't miss that next episode. I know you're not going to want to miss it. And you only heard this episode today because I thought it was valuable enough to post here. So if you want to share that value with your friends, your family, go ahead and do that. Share this episode with them. Take a screenshot. Send it to them. Take a screenshot. Put it on your Instagram story and tag me at J underscore Paris underscore so that I know you're listening and I can get back to you and put a face to the name. Now, if you're ready to really take your life to the next level, my book is on Amazon. It is also called Growth Mindset University. It's all about how to learn anything, how to take control of your life and how to fulfill your vision of success. And you're not just supporting me and this channel by getting this book, but you're also getting This awesome book that's going to lay out the rules and principles to design your life full of joy and fulfillment. All right. I love you all so very much. And until next time, my friends, make every day count, live to learn, and grow to give.